0: Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Paradise Lost, John Milton Men transformed into dusty or mud-caked zombies locked in a battle for survival. Their machines, submitted to the traps of a demented road, fall prey to repeated technical incidents. The falls, individual or collective, open the pages of a perpetual tragedy. Velo Magazine, 2004 One of the world's least inviting bike rides follows the Western European coast from the cold north towards the warmer south. Then, just as you hope the weather will improve, it crosses to England and goes north again. It's a chilly ride because it circuits the grey, gloomy North Sea, and the North Sea is never a place of parasols and hula girls. It was out of the North Sea in the 70s that a ship called the Mi Amigo housed an unlicensed pop radio station of the same name. It was run by a Belgian waffle entrepreneur. He never saw why anybody else thought that was so funny. Radio Mi Amigo played commercials for anyone but especially advertised Susie Waffles. Those who hadn't already giggled succumbed when they heard they were named after the waffle maker's wife, from whom he shortly separated. The station had enormous audiences in Holland and Belgium, where they heard the advertisements and which, being in Dutch, they understood. One of the ads included the excited voice of a Belgian sports commentator. Darkamte, Derstersky, de winner, Marc de Mayer, Winterbari Roubaix! He screamed. In the background, the crowd went wild, for Roubaix is close to the Belgian border and Belgians climb into their red-numbered cars and drive over the border and feel close to home mayor won, if you believe the ads, by chewing Stimmeral gum, but it didn't do him much good. He died shortly afterward of a heart attack as he sat doing a crossword puzzle in front of his television. He was 32. And Sylvain Tack, Mr. Susie Waffles, also came to an unhappy end. New laws put an end to his radio station, and an encounter with customs officials in Paris put an end to his liberty, for smuggling three kilograms of cocaine. He died at home in Udenberg in February 2006, a sad and broken recluse. Belgians have long seen Paris-Roubaix as theirs. The greatest of them all was Roger de Vleminck, a gypsy-looking man who more drifted than bounced across the cobbles. Belgians like Paris-Roubaix because it matches their tour of Flanders, the Ronde van Vlaanderen, which also has as many cobbles as the organizers can find. Spectators come into France and wait until Paris-Roubaix has passed, then prize up a cobblestone to take home. A group of enthusiasts called Les Amis de Paris-Roubaix does its best to replace them, but there is always plenty enough missing cobbles to give the race a bike-breaking, back-breaking quality that excites some and scares many. Two novice rookies were once listed to ride. They'd seen it on television, and they'd heard of the broken bones. They'd seen the race riding slippery, mud-covered cobbles at speeds greater than they cared to imagine. They'd seen riders and bikes snapping in watery holes. They spent a sleepless night in their hotel and the next morning they went back home. Anybody could see why. Who would face six or seven hours of purgatory and the risk of a broken leg, for such things have happened, to be no better than an also ran and also fallen? For the tail-enders don't get even a ride around the track at the finish because that's open only to the first arrivals. Bernardino dismissed Perry roubaix as un conchinerie de corps, which isn't easy to translate but is unflattering. Not that that stopped his winning in 1981. Jacques Anquetil, frustrated by a flat tire 13 kilometers from the end in 1958, called it, quote, a dangerous lottery. Others, like de vleming made a career of it. Some, said Stephen Roche, quote, would kill their own mother to get on the podium. It's what Jacques Godet called the last great madness of cycling. It should live, he said, for that reason alone. They call Paris-Roubaix the, quote, hell of the north. The American writer, James Start, tells of an American television crew reporting it for the first time. They were relieved to find a key figure in the race, Théo de Roy, who could speak English, he wrote. What made the race memorable was DeRoy's early break, a planned sacrifice that somehow put him in a position to win. But as he seized the chance of a lifetime, he flatted and crashed while in the lead, finishing a long way from first. No sooner was DeRoy off his bike than the CBS crew jumped on him. His haggard face was covered with mud and blood when they asked for his race impressions. He was so exhausted he could hardly speak, but he muttered something about how hard and heartbreaking Paris-Roubaix could be. What he is actually said to have muttered demonstrates the command of English you'd expect of a former world university champion. Quote, It's a bollocks, this race. You're working like an animal. You don't have time to piss. You wet your pants. You're riding in mud like this. You're slipping. It's a piece of shit. He sounded so miserable and the CBS people were so new to the race that the reporter, John Tesh, asked if he would ever ride again. DeRoy's face transformed. Ride it again, he asked. Of course I will. This is the most beautiful race in the world. Complete known results for every edition of the Perry roubaix can be found on the publisher's website, www.bikeraceinfo.com.